You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Steps, he fires. It is Landon Collins for the fourth straight game. Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan. Hello, Grump. I think we've uh, enough time has passed that we can kind of forget about what may or may not have happened on Monday night and kind of just look forward to the future and uh, see those hideous eagles we have to deal with this weekend. Oh, it happened. It's it's not may or may not be. It happened. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That nightmare was for real. Um, but, you know, it's 0-2. It's not 0-16. So uh, all you can do is move forward. Dwelling on it's not going to do anything. Um. So, I recall the I recall the uh, the first Super Bowl win against the Patriots. We started the season zero and two as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna shut that down right now. What's when you're zero and two? You take each game one at a time. You forget about <laughs> looking long term, and that's, that's no, what, no, no. My point being that this season is not over by any stretch. Not no. not making any predictions that we're going to be in Minnesota in uh, the first weekend in February. Just the fact that you can't write off a season if you're zero and two, no matter how dire it does look. And if everybody remembers back in 2007, the defense was a hideous mess for two and a half games before things changed around. So 2011 also started 0 and 2. Yeah, and and there you go. So, um, uh, yeah, like you said, the season's not. What, what's the point of being excited all off season for a season if you're going to give up after two weeks? Exactly, with expectations that we did have coming off an 11 and 5 season too. Yeah. So. You know, there's still time. Uh, do not fret. However, uh, we are heading into week three. Uh, the 0-2 New York Giants will be at the 1-1 Philadelphia Eagles at 1 o'clock on Sunday at the link. Um, this is one that you and I both feared going into it. Maybe now that the expectations aren't so high, it might even the playing field a little bit. <laughs> no, the fear becomes downright frightened at this point <laughs> i think it's a place we never play well we haven't played well in years you know the matchup doesn't look good you know they're front seven against our inept offensive line and it could be uh it could get really ugly you know really quickly in this game so let's kind of break down and see how it potentially may not be as dire as we think it is well there are there are some things to watch here um we'll start right away with the injury report uh We'll start with the bad news. I, I'm going to say right now Bobby Hart is not going to play this game. Um, I'm sure there's some smart ass out there who's saying, bad news. Uh, yeah, no, that's bad news. When you have a starter out, that means that you have a backup in. And in this case, it's going to be Justin Pugh playing right tackle, which means Brett Jones is playing left guard. It's not ideal. Uh, trust me, this is a very, very good defensive line. In fact, I would say it's the only part of this Eagles team that is downright scary. Um, and it's it wouldn't have been ideal even with Bobby Hart in the lineup. Now it's now it's really bad. Um, but you're looking up uh, a, a matchup here of Vinnie Curry, Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, Timmy Jernigan, Fletcher Cox, Bo Allen against this offensive line, Chris Long. That's it. that that would have been a bad matchup anyway. Now it's worse. So that's that's the bad news right there. And I guess they are sticking with the same uh, starting – well, I, I shouldn't say starting lineup from last week. You know, from play three on lineup, uh, 
you know, Eric Flowers is still your left tackle. That that hasn't changed. I think they're going to stick with him because again, you know, any further reshuffling of this offensive line, and you're really going to start creating chaos. So, you know, I think we're just going to roll with him for the near future and, and see what happens. I think he became the whipping boy after after Monday night for all the problems of the offensive line. He didn't seem beyond normally super atrocious to me, but. You know, he's the lightning rod for it. And every time anything happens, he's going to get blamed for it. Yeah. I mean, you know, we said it. Uh, there's no defending him. It's – I hate to say it, but somewhat better than last year coming from him. But it's not good enough. And that's that's really what it boils down to. Your left tackle can't be this bad, even if it <laughs> is slightly better than last year. Um, the things I mentioned, you, you know, n- not a lot of penalties from him this year. For Last year, I think it was like two a game. And they were all at the wrong times. So, and he has one one of two, after two games so yeah, far. Exactly. So, I mean, you can only take baby steps for so long before your opponent is finished the race. So, <laughs> um, but that's the that's the bad news as far as injuries go. Now you're ready for the good news. Um, I think Beckham is going to be much closer to 100 percent in this game. I think he was limited last game just so he could get in there and warm up and get loose and get used to playing on it. I think he's going to be closer to 100% probably around 90% for this game. Um, Keenan Robinson might play. I don't know what his status is in the concussion protocol right now, but he is advancing. Um, that's a little bit up in the air. I think Janoris Jenkins is going to play also. Uh, again, I think he was held out last week so that he could play for the long term. Um, and I think Jay Bromley is fine. I think Tavares King will be re-signed to the roster and potentially active for this game for a couple of reasons. But, you know, that's some of the good news right there on the injury front for this team. So when is the deadline, if they're going to re-sign Tavares King, to have him be active for this? Like, is, Can they sign him up to Saturday, or what are the rules? Uh, I believe so. I believe it's Saturday. That'd be interesting, having him signing him, and then the next day go out there and play. So I mean... You know. Yeah, it's not. They did it with Curtis Grant last week, where they promoted him from the practice squad to play special teams. I know it's a little bit different, but that's uh, different. I mean, you're still doing organized team activities, and a practice squad, I believe, is in all the meetings of yeah. the regular team. And, but I mean, yeah, so Tavares King had been off the roster for at this point just a couple of days, and he was right, on the roster last year. So, but you're missing game install though, too. Yeah, where uh, yeah. I, I, you got a point, but you know, we'll see if he's going to be active at all anyway. But, you know, that's just another thing on that that injury front. You know, he was dealing with an ankle. He hasn't done anything yet this year, so far as I know. Right, right. Um, More good news, I mean, for the Giants' standpoint, the Eagles are wrecked in the secondary. Bad. Ronald Darby was lost in week one. He is out. His backups, uh, Rodney McLeod and Corey Graham, are looking to be out also. They they came in to fill in his spot. They're both looking out. And Jalen Watkins also looks like he's not going to play. That's the, their entire secondary is pretty much devastated. Yeah, if we can handle the pass rush and we can get anything going, you know, there are opportunities. Yes. The question is going to be, is Eli going to be horizontal for most of the game, running for his life most of the game? Are we going to be in third and long most of the game where they can kind of, you know, adjust their defense for things so but there are opportunities and if and if beckham is even 90 percent getting him out in space he could do some things yeah exactly um 
Yeah, I mean, th- that that really leaves their secondary with Jalen Mills. That's about it. Jalen Mills and Malcolm Jenkins, those are the only guys that really stick out off the paper to me in the secondary. Um, that being said, and uh, I highlight this as one of my matchups in the game here, uh, Michael Kendricks is a really good linebacker. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how he matches up with Evan Ingram. I was... I was impressed last week with Ingram, the way he was lining up in all different things. You can definitely see he's going to be, he's going to be an X factor in this offense. You think he's going to take a, the more they feed to him and the more they get comfortable with him, you know, he definitely has a presence that we haven't had in quite a while. You know, not a true tight end in the way he's been lining up. Uh, you know, I, I think you're going to see more and more out of him, more and more targets. And then it's interesting to see what they're going to do with Red Ellison also. You know, now that Ingram's getting more. He was lined up, and we said this on the last episode. I saw him lined up in some things I thought Red Ellison would be lined up in. So, having two weapons like that that could be interchanged makes this offense even more interesting. Yeah, I think I don't know that they're interchangeable directly. I think it's just that Red Ellison has a certain role, and I think that Evan Ingram is much more versatile. I think Evan Ingram can play probably every wide receiver position if needed. And tight end, H back, and if needed, fullback also. Whereas Rhett Ellison is really going to be your, you know, tight end, fullback. That's sort of it. So I mean, more of a blocking presence. More of a blocking presence and short yardage gain. Um, Ingram can do the short yardage game if you want, but he can also you know stretch the field. He can go across the middle. There's a lot more things that he can do. So I think the fact that he's more interchangeable he can be wherever you need him to be is uh, the 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 added bonus there ben mcadoo was asked uh why rhett ellison was not used uh, more last week and his answer was really you know the down and distance wasn't in our favor we weren't in a lot of third and shorts um it's definitely well, something that they're going to have what? to Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the the complete lack of a running game, you know, the you know, the second and long questionable play calling, we're going to be in a lot of third and longs and th- this is something we also mentioned in the last episode too is how is Ben McAdoo going to start adjusting from the the problems that are not just two games old but now 18 games old. And because if we have an average of a bad down and distance on third down, Red Ellison, somebody that kind of needs to be on the field to do his thing. So, let's see how he adjusts to this. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think the running game is going to get any better this week for sure. Not with that defensive front. It's going to be very difficult for our offensive line to make any sort of, um, you know, running game presence made. It, it, this running game couldn't do anything against a pretty bad Dallas defense defensive front. You know, and eh. Detroit one. It's going to be a long season trying to run the ball, and it's, starting with this week is going to be pretty pretty ugly. Yeah. Um, that being said, they they cannot just be one dimensional. They if they're going to be pass first, that's totally fine. But they need to continue the trend of what they did last week with more bounce. Ten carries per game is way too low. They can't repeat what they did in Dallas. And if they fall behind early and they just start throwing, 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 throwing. Forget it. It's not going to happen. First of all, Eli will be six feet under. Yeah. You know, the, the, I just think the more they try to throw at this offense, and right, and be more one-dimensional, 
that fear of him getting seriously hurt is just increases every game. So we're really playing with fire right now. Yeah, it's it's a dangerous game that the Giants are playing. Um, I I do think that Ben McAdoo does adjust from game to game. I think he looked back at the Dallas game and realized that he didn't run the ball enough uh, because the Giants stuck to the run game last week, and it it did help. Even if the running game numbers don't jump off the page, it does help your passing game numbers. Um, I think people are getting really pissed off. Not so much that you know the running and the play calling is so bad. It's just the timing of some of the, the play calling. Like those second nines, and we run. That pisses a lot of people off. I think so. I, I don't. I, it's not even a question of giving up on the run, or even you know. It's just the timing of some of the run calls are head scratching a little bit. And that's why I think you're you hear a lot of the booze cascading down Monday night. Yeah, I think a lot of the booze cascading down also came from the fact that. Um. The Giants were just simply behind. I mean, that's really it. I mean, that's you know, that's almost at this point a Giants age-old tradition. If they can't run the ball and get six yards on every carry every time they run the ball, is going to be a boo. I mean, this is going back years now for Giants fans, right? But I think especially it's loudest when it's second. If there's an incomplete pass on first down and you see that draw, that just really just pisses people off. Yeah. Um. Because it seems like it's a trend. It's, I mean, we'd have to kind of go into some research and figure it out. But just from the, the layman's eyes, it looks like it happens. You know, that's a, a pretty predictable play call with this offense. I Yeah. Um, I don't think that the running game did a poor job overall last week. It wasn't great. But, I mean, there were a lot of boos coming on four-yard gains. And I was looking around a little bit confused. I mean, I don't know how much more you want on a running play. You know, even second and nine on a four-yard gain – you know, now you're looking at third and five. I mean, it's a little bit better than an incomplete pass in third and nine. So, the vocal abilities of a hammered meathead crowd doesn't really tell that much to me. I'm just saying. No, you know, the, the, I'm trying to level just the frustration level of the crowd relative to, you know, why they're booing and stuff. Like, why are they frustrated? Sure. It's. I think it's two different things. Yeah. No, I understand. Uh, I guess more what I'm aiming at is that just because the Giants run. Uh, don't lose your minds. It's very necessary. Even if even if they only get two yards on the run, it's you know it's it's setting it up. It's all a chess match. You know, if you pass on every play, the chess match is over. You've already lost, especially against a Jim Schwartz defense. Jim Schwartz right has been since Monday night salivating, looking at the Giants' offensive line. I that is a guarantee. Yeah, and another thing with the running game too is. The time possession is so bad and it's so not in our favor that even if a second nine doesn't seem like it makes sense for a running play, you're still knocking 40, 45 seconds off the game clock where if another potential, you know, you don't want to have a quick three and out where we take a minute off the clock and the defense is back on the field again too. So, you know, every play is setting up another play, but it's also setting up, you know, situations in a game too. Yeah, of course. And then, and that quick three and out has been a major piece of the puzzle that I've been harping on since last year. The the quick three and outs where we throw on down one and down two, and now it's third and ten because we couldn't complete either pass. You know, then you get the draw play and it's it's too late. You've dug too deep of a hole at that mm-hmm. point. Um, exactly. You know, I do think the Giants have gotten more creative with their running plays since last year. We're seeing a lot more eye formation. 
with the fullback on the roster this year. We're seeing more jet sweeps to Sterling Shepard, maybe a little too much in my opinion, but you know, this is not I, I understand that the fans are seeing the same results as last year, but I'm not. I'm seeing slightly better results and 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 it quite frankly, adjustments. Uh you know, I don't think there's been enough credit thrown to the Ben McAdoo offense and how much has changed since last year. I mean, we, there's been zero reports about how little they've used the 11 formation this year. I haven't seen any. Have you? No, but I mean, again, we have, there's been a kind of an overhaul in upgrade of talent. True. Again, exactly. You know, but, but I mean, you know, this is, I all... think the, I really think the 11 last year was a certain necessitated based upon, you know, the, who is out there yeah. and what they were using. Again, we had, we had no tight end. You know, now we have an Ingram and we have an Ellison. We didn't have either of those guys before. And even having a guy like a Marshall on the roster changes what you're trying to do. So, yeah. you know, we, we had a fullback, which we – what happened when we cut him? Somebody got hurt, was out for the year, and we, we cut yeah. the fullback late, which was kind of – that changed around what they wanted to do, I think. Yeah. Will Johnson so, suffered a stinger Will in Johnson. the preseason and never, never saw the field again. And I think that was a major signing that was supposed to go underrated – you know, and then really show up game time, and th- th- what a bummer that was! I don't even think that guy's playing. I don't think so either. Yeah, that's that's tough. You're starting to see that injury, and it's sometimes you don't be surprised if you hear people are retiring after it. So yeah, um, there's some other spots that the Giants can attack weakness here. Um, the the guard situation for the Philadelphia Eagles is not great, and that plays into the Giants' favor because. You know they have two pretty good. Ta- they have one really good tackle with Jason Peters, who's sort of dealing with a, a foot thing. Um, Lane Johnson is pretty good. He's also on his last legs for Peds violations, I believe. He's already had two, so his next violation is a full year suspension. Um, you know, I mean that's a thing. Uh, maybe not for this coming Sunday, but you know, just just in general, an observation. He's pretty good, but you know, and and they have Jason Kelsey as their center, who's pretty good, but. Both guard spots are pretty weak, and it's been a, a a bit of a problem for the Eagles. You know that being said, this team has good defensive tackle talent, and on top of that, has good defense end talent that can play the inside. Guys like Jason Pierre-Paul can move inside and really wreak havoc and create mismatches on a weakness. And quite frankly, with somebody like Carson Wentz back there, who is still getting his NFL sea legs, you know, pressure up the middle will do a lot more for the Giants defense than pressure off the edge. And here's one other major injury, which we haven't talked about yet. And it's gone under the radar, which will impact the, the Eagles offense. Caleb Sturgis is out for four to six weeks. Yes. A pro bowl level kicker. Yeah. So that changes a lot. That changes potentially field position. That changes, you know, what is your line for, for field goal automaticness? So that's a biggie too. Yeah. So if if this defense can get off the field on third down and not extend drives, you know, inside the forty, I think you know there's a much more hope for this Giants offense to you know flip the field, work it a little bit, and uh, they're not, they won't get so far behind so early. Um. I mean a real a real big matchup that we're going to have to watch here. I, I think, you know, the the Eagles went out and they bought a lot of receivers, right? So they have Alshon Jeffrey, they got Torrey Smith. 
Um, they still have Nelson Aguilar, who they're waiting to come along, but you know is, is starting to show what he can do he, a little bit. He's starting to show signs this year. Yeah, he had a big catch in the first game. Yeah, and I believe it, even last week he Against, had a touchdown, right? Yeah, so he's uh, he was a real whipping uh, post last year for the Seagull offense, but now it seems like you know people have kind of forgot about him, and he's starting to do some things. So. Well, that's because you know defenses have to. Worry about Alshon Jeffrey, who's a very good receiver, and Torrey Smith is really good at taking the top off of defenses. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that still matches up well in the Giants' favor. I Like I said, I do believe Janoris Jenkins plays. Um, also, last week, Ross Cockrell came in and played really well. I mean, it, I'm not going to say that it didn't – it wasn't clear that Jenkins was not in the game, but, you know, it was, wasn't a glaring thing that you noticed – uh, with Ross Cockrell, so Stafford, Stafford had a good game, but he definitely didn't dominate. It wasn't one of those, you know, three hundred and forty yards and three touchdown type of thing. Yeah, there were so no he good. made he he made plays on third down when he had to, but it wasn't one of these things where you would say, "Oh, the secondary got sh- shredded for sure." Yeah, and I think I think his longest pass was the touchdown in which Eli Apple was in coverage, which you know Apple kind of busted a little bit by not turning around. I don't know what the hell he was doing on that play, but that was really a good play by Marvin Jones to adjust to the to a poorly thrown ball. Um, so, you know, I, I think they had contained the deep pass entirely against the Lions. Uh, so I think that that matches up well for the Giants. The big issue of the matchup to watch here, uh, how the defense plans on covering Darren Sproles out of the backfield and Zach Ertz. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if the safeties come up to cover them because Zach Ertz is a real mismatch. So is Darren Sproles. You know, Landon Collins, I think, can handle Zach Ertz a little bit, but you don't want to you don't want to take one of your best players and just sort of shadow somebody. Yeah, it it just becomes too predictable. They're gonna and have to Sproles has had a history of has had a history of crushing us too. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys where we'll have him bottled up, and it looks like we had forgotten to practice tackling all week. It's one of those things where like <laughs> where you're excited because they completely sniffed it out, and all three guys surrounding him run into each other, and he just scampers off for thirty yards. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Steve Spagnuolo decides to move his guys around, have linebackers go out there and cover. Um, it's also going to be interesting to see if B.J. Goodson even plays. Uh, we'll have to see. But he was not a guy whose presence was completely, uh, I don't want to say missed, but was... Yeah, the, the depth of the giant defense really showed it last week. I was very impressed. Like yeah. you said, Jack Rabbit was out. PJ Goodson was out, and you didn't, you didn't. We never looked at each other one time and said, "Oh my God, these guys are so sorely missed." Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. But you know, those those guys are going to be the killers. I believe Zach Ertz is the league's leading receiver at this time, and the Giants have not done well covering tight ends so far this year. Uh, no, Witten destroyed us. We know that. Yeah, which is pathetic because I <laughs> I think I can honestly beat him in a foot race. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think that one's going to come down to scheme a little bit, not necessarily talent disparity. They just can't get too hung up on the wide receivers, and they have to pay attention to guys like Zach Ertz. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, and so we want to get you want to get to predictions now. Yeah, well, I mean, well, the the keys here are going to be for uh, the Giants to attack the weakness in the center, the secondary. They're going to have to force Wentz to make bad decisions. You know. Getting an interception, making him throw stupid 
stuff or throw it out of bounds. You know, these are the things that they need to do. They need, they've got to do that, and they've got to contain Darren Sproles. If they can do all three of those things, I still am having trouble seeing the Giants beat beat the Eagles just based on the offensive line, defensive line matchup. If they can do all three of those things, it'll be a slugfest, and it'll be real close that in which Philly edges them out with you know one of those backbreaking field goals and sort of the closing minutes that puts it away. But I'm going to predict this one is going to be probably something around Eagles 20, Giants 9. You're kind of going where I was thinking. Like the only way I can see this game winning is if this if it's a super low scoring game and we kind of eke out like a 14-10 win, but I, I just can't see it. I, I just can't see... I just can't see our offensive line holding up against this front seven or this front four specifically. And, you know, I'm very concerned for Eli this week. I I really am. And it might be hyperbole, but, you know, there is a potential that, that, you know, we could see at least one, maybe two Eli fumbles, you know, all all the pressure he has. Hopefully he doesn't make any stupid mistakes. He tends to do with the, with the pressure. Uh, I, I think this thing could get ugly. I'm unfortunately predicting Philly to beat us somewhere. 30 to 10 somewhere in that range yeah um it honestly this secondary is so bad that if the if the offensive line could give him the four or so seconds that he needs i think that the giants win this in an absolute shootout i don't even think it's close that's really the difference on this team Uh, and it it comes down to strictly that matchup um, but nothing is nothing is telling me so far this year that we have the ability to do that on any sort of consistent basis. Not at all. No. I, I I think there might be one or two plays where we just, uh, you know, somebody gets loose behind the secondary and there's some major gains, if not like a, you know, a forty or fifty yard touchdown. Definitely think that's possible. But on a consistent basis, I I just can't see it happening. Yeah, I just I don't see this team driving down the field, which is sort of how they're built. They're not. I mean, I know they're built a little bit for the big play. But for the most part, this is a dink and dunk offense that, you know, sustains drives. I just don't see it happening. If if we even manage to get four to five passes strung in a row, we're starting to move. I I I see Eli getting a little too relaxed, and you know, one of his passes getting batted at the line. You know, it just mm-hmm. it's one of those games where this offensive line just needs so much more help. Uh, yeah, and that's where we're gonna see where McAdoo's worth comes in, and whether he's really a good coach or you know. Is there too much on his plate to really stop and consider things like that? So this is this is where you start to decide, well, is McAdoo a good coach or a shitty coach? Starting off 0-2 and being like, fire everybody's silly. Now you're seeing what a coach is made of. You know, does it mean he gives up play calling to focus on other things? Um, I don't know. You know, we we will see. You know, schematically are things differently or blocking schemes differently? Is play calling different? I this is where he's going to start earning his paycheck. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and, and I think fans were very quick to credit him with the 11-5 and record that he earned last year without any consideration for the fact that it was a much easier schedule than most teams had. Uh, you know, they did not play a lot of winning teams. Uh, the teams that they did have winning records, they struggled to beat. Um, the only one that sticks out in my mind is the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas, yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's you know this is still a process for him. Uh, 
and this roster and last year's roster is not elite. Uh, I had my doubts going into the playoffs last year. I I had predicted at best that that team would be eleven and five if I if I remember right. You were much more optimistic than I were. You know, obviously this is pre podcast days, but uh, I was kind of more in the. I think we're going to be seven and nine, and you were a lot more optimistic. Like I think this team can win eleven games, and I think I said eleven or ten. And a lot of what I base it on is that I just couldn't see them losing some of the games they had, like playing Cleveland I, and the Rams. I, I looked at it, it was there's just no way they will lose these games. They're they're not that bad. And the interesting thing about those games, they weren't that overly impressive either. No, <laughs> they, they were, weren't. you know, they they kind of let those teams hang around. This current team is much better but you know all the talent that they're playing this year and the schedule is not very favorable in that it's pretty relentless to start the real drive for this team is in the center of the season which you know they needed to steal a couple of these games early on to get some momentum to to hit through the valley in their schedule in the middle of the season and uh that that lions tough. loss is gonna hurt yeah that lions loss really is gonna hurt i think that's that's a that's a conference game against another team that's probably going to be a wild card contender. You hate to lose those games, especially early on, because you're chasing all year to try to make up, you know, an extra conference win somewhere. Uh, you know, it, it it just sucks that you lose those games early, especially at home. Yeah, and you know what? At this point, you know everything you said is true. Uh, I believe it will come back to bite them, and it's a very important loss that they have. That being said, they need to start looking at every game as if it's the all-in last game of the season from now on. And I don't mean oh, yeah. the coaching staff dealing with injuries. I just mean as players, they can't be looking at it like, oh, man, we're 0-2, you know, whatever. They just need to look at it as, you know, we win and we're in. We win and we're in. Because these guys these guys are professionals. I don't worry about that. You know, I, I really – I don't think – you know, I think those are things that fans worry about a lot more than players do, you know, especially this early on. You know, they know when it's time to start worrying and scoreboard watching you know, much, much, much later in the season. They know it's important that they got to win, but I don't think it's something that's any extra motivation or something that's going to, you know, spark them more. I mean, I they're going to. I don't know if I agree with that. I, I think a lot of times they do that, and I think a lot of players are like that. I think other players are honestly rattled by things in the media and their perception. You know, remember that some of these guys are in their lower 20s uh it's real easy to get down on yourself even if your teammates and coaches are blowing smoke up your ass and trying to get you pick you up but everywhere else you go they're just talking about how bad you are you know and that's sort of a little bit of what we talked about with you know ben mcadoo calling out eli but not saying anything about eric flowers you know we know eli is one of those guys who's a professional and he knows every game is important and that every snap in which he's in charge is important Eric Flowers is a guy who needs the positive encouragement. Any negativity that comes from his head coach, you know, he he needs his support. Right. Even though we all know that he is a big liability on this team, in order for him to be adequate for this season, he needs support. He needs help. Um, the the so coaching staff. Any, sta- any yeah, trashing the co- of him in the in the media is not going to help him. The coaching comments after a game are very interesting because. They basically don't say a whole lot of anything. We we want to hear and say the truth, but then we don't want to hear the truth. Like, you're right. If he said, "Well, Eric Flowers is a major problem," that's honesty. But everyone's gonna be like, well, "How can, you can't say that? You're gonna, you know, lose his confidence." So I tend to, for the most part, tune out what a coach says. But at the same time, 
I don't like to hear a coach deflect everything that it wasn't his fault. I like to hear accountability. And we did hear accountability on his part saying, you know, this is on me. I need to, you know, figure out do I need to make drastic changes or not. So, yeah. but, you know, it, it's a fine line of coach speak horseshit and are they actually really saying anything of any substance. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, it, it, this is going to be a tough one. But, you know, anything can happen here. Uh, the the real bummer here is that it's a short week for the Giants because they're already coming off of a dismal performance. They really could have used an extra day of practice, and they're not going to get it. I agree. Yeah, I wish. Uh, you know, well, such is the life is a, of a popular team that they want to have a national TV a lot. So, you know, they want the big ratings. You know, the Giants, the Packers, the Steelers, they're all going to be on a lot, good or bad. This game is away. I will not be attending in Philly. I have yet to go there. I do not think I would come out alive, personally. Uh, so <laughs> I will be live tweeting from a bar. And you can follow my live tweets uh, at football underscore grump. I'll do the best I can. Um, I, I'll i try to stay positive, but I'm a grump at heart. And uh, if I see stuff to grump out, I'm going to grump out. <laughs> I will be live retweeting the grumps tweets at the cranky fan so be for the finest in retweeting possible you can get it from me (laughs) and uh you can find you can find our wonderful podcast on itunes and on soundcloud go ahead and subscribe and download the podcast leave a nice five-star rating and a happy smiley review because we are all in this together if this season turns around and makes a playoff run or slides down the toilet into the great abyss so we are in this together and uh let's see what happens yeah and for any broadcast changes and for all new episode information you can follow the the podcast twitter at just giants pod um where we update for every every new episode twice a week exactly so this uh enjoy the weekend everybody and let's hope we come out of there one and two and right back in the playoff hunt in the division hunt, and if not, uh, pitchers and catchers report in about 100 days. Stop it. (laughs) All right, guys. Let's go, Giants. Go, Giants. Go, Giants.